0: If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. There's Bibles at the back at the Connection Center if you need one. That's our gift to you. But if you have one on you, turn to 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 35. And there is this stigma around the subject that we're talking about this morning, and that's Singleness. And for whatever reason, in today's time, we believe that if we're single, then the reason we're single is that we have not yet found the person we're to marry. Now, there's truth to that, but that's not always the case. For some, there are, are, the, there are those who just are not going to get married, that are going to remain single. But for whatever reason, we've we've taken marriage and not looked at it in the biblical context, but more made it... A cultural Important relationship And so we've talked about marriage We talked about marriage uh, three weeks ago And we talked two weeks On the importance of marriage Uh, But Here's the thing is that in, in culture and in biblical context, there's kind of a divide because culture looks at it and goes, man, there's a multi-billion dollar revenue platform for the, for the divorces and what lawyers can make on that, for for planning weddings. The biblical context is look at, look at what we can leverage in light of the gospel. And so there's a big difference in view. And I think there's some interesting points about singleness, and one is that who we're going to read from writing the letter to the church in Corinth is Paul. And what we know of Paul, as he says, I wish you were as myself, Paul was single. And in today's time, what's really interesting as I was preparing this week and thinking about this, as a married man in ministry, I'm going to share with you what a single man says to you. And in today's time, I think Paul would have had a struggle being involved in the church. Being a leader because because there's areas where we put a lot of stock on marriage. And I don't mean in the light of, man, we need to to understand the weight of marriage in light of the gospel, but we we make that of a specific importance where we don't really see that in scripture. I remember for me when I was a youth leader, leading youth ministry, there were a couple of parents who would not bring their kids to my youth ministry because I was a single guy. I was a single guy. And then when Sean and I got married, I mean, nothing changed in my education. Nothing changed in our youth ministry of size, of security. It was a safe place. But what changed is I was a married guy. And, and, and there was a shift in their mind of going, okay, now we're good. Now we're good, so we'll send our kids there. But there was no investment. And so we have this weird understanding of singleness and marriage. And I think it really has to do with our focus. I mean, life drastically changed for Shauna and I when we got married. when we got married like three days in during our honeymoon. Shauna kind of gave me that Ruth speech. I don't know if you've read the story of Ruth, but it's where a gal in the Old Testament says, I'll go where you go. She says this to her mother-in-law. I'll go where you go. My, My God is your God. Where he's leading you, I will go. And so my wife just basically said that three days into marriage, and I said, well, I feel like God's calling us to go into the lives of our peers and start a young adult ministry. And from there, everything changed. Everything changed. And honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, I never thought marriage would make my ministry better. I thought it would make it harder. I didn't think it would make it better. I thought it would make it harder. But the only reason it did make it better, it made it more intentional, is because Shauna and I made our focus Jesus. We, we really made our focus Jesus. And here's the thing about me. A year prior to meeting Shauna and, and beginning to pursue her, I was determined to never meet anyone in my ministry for the sake of marriage. I literally told, I told my team, like, I'm never going to be that guy who marries one of his youth leaders. Shauna was one of my youth leaders. And so after telling God, here's how it's going to be, God's like, no, you're you're you and I'm God. Here's how it's going to be. And he just put me in my place so wonderfully and changed that. And and, and here's what I think is it's more about the focus. Because I I don't believe when I die, I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You, You focused on your marriage solely. You kept your family safe from the world. I don't think that what Paul's going to really explain in this text as we get in, what he's saying is we, we don't need to focus on the family. We need to have followers that are focused. And so he really kind of shifts some things and, and really begins to stir our thinking in a new way. Because I think what we struggle with is that when the pursuit of marriage, when the pursuit of singleness or dating outweighs our pursuit of God, when it outweighs our pursuit of God, That becomes an idol. And then what we do is we make creation more worthy, more appealing, more pursued than creator. And there's this whole mess of thinking. So this is where we begin with Paul. What he begins to explain to us. And he gives instructions to the singles. And he even gives some instruction to the married people. And so as we read in 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to start in verse 25 and go all the way to 35. And there is both implications for singles and for married couples. But this morning, we're going to just focus on encouraging our singles. But I think marrieds don't check out. Don't check out because there's some stuff in here that Paul's really adamant about us understanding when it comes to our focus. So let's read starting in verse 25. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And so what Paul is really after is our focus. Because it seems odd that that to the church in Ephesus, he really leverages marriage as this is the greatest example of living out the gospel message. It seems important. It seems like, man, if we're not all married, we're missing a part of the gospel. And, and that can be our focus. But I think to the context of the church in Corinth, this is a group that's not valuing marriage how God values marriage. So he's saying really, really approach your focus, whether you're already married or you're going to be married. And so the first thing that Paul really nails home is he says, listen, the single person is focused on what pleases Christ. The single person is focused on what pleases Christ. And for us to focus on what pleases Christ, it really means that we are focusing every area of our lives on Christ. And that, that may sound simple, and the, the reality is, is because it is that simple. And I think there's some steps that we can ta- take, some areas that we can begin to pursue that lay before us some clarity as followers. And the three simple steps that I would say is the first, that we need to pursue a prayer life. We need to have a faithful prayer life. And, and I think we need to learn the posture of a committed prayer life. Singles, I think you have an incredible example in this. I think all of us together, but I think singles, for you to learn what that posture looks like, for you to fight for the times with Jesus and make it that priority. To be intentional. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Bring it it all to prayer. Be intentional with your posture. I think the second thing that really helps us To focus on what pleases Christ is to serve. Learn to be selfless with your time. I think especially young singles struggle with this because I think we can shift our focus back and forth to and fro. And until we really understand what pleases Christ, how can I take my life and make it yours, God? I think we're just gonna continue to struggle in this cycle. I think we need to get off our our butts and start serving in our churches. I think sometimes we sit and we hear that announcement. We're like, okay, maybe I'll, na- I'll wait for the next one. I'm not sure if that's really my thing or that's my gifting. That's my wiring. But, but here's what I think is the intentional servant seeks out what the needs are. Don't, don't wait for what's in the program. Don't wait for who gets up on a Sunday morning. Seek out what's the, what are the needs of this community. Your, your focus isn't divided, so, so make it intentional. James points this out clearly to us. In James 1, verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So what James is pretty clearly saying is, listen, don't just hear the the word of God and then walk away and don't apply it. Don't just hear it and don't put it into action. Be servants, be faithful to serving Leverage your gifts. Leverage the time that you have. Begin to find what are the needs of the church? Where can I serve where, where some of these other people don't have the ability to serve? I think, singles, you have an incredible ability. At, at 11 o'clock at night, you're having a good conversation about Jesus. At 11 o'clock at night, I'm changing a diaper. Okay? So let's just understand that all of us are in different seasons. For at 11 o'clock, others are sleeping. That's what normal people do, apparently. But all of us are in these different places. And so leverage the gifts that God has given you. Leverage the season you're in. I think the third, especially young, young singles, young people, learn to give. Learn to tithe with your money. For whatever reason, uh, us young people don't understand this concept. And I think there's also been a lot of abuse in church, and that scares us. I think we see churches shutting down for reasons that they, they leveraged finances irresponsibly. We leverage finances irresponsibly. I think we really need to understand. And so I think that's why our tendency is not to give, because we lack understanding of the needs, and we, and we lack the sacrifice aspect. I think that's hard for us young people to understand. But really, as I, as I told you young guys, especially a couple weeks ago, sell all your stuff. Get rid of all that useless video game crap. Be intentional. Give. Be community. And so I think the third one is really give. Learn to give faithfully. And Jesus really pointed this out in focus in Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So singles, begin to do the work intentionally. Learn to pursue God in prayer. Serve, begin to serve in these areas where there are needs and learn to give what, what actually is already God's. It's not yours. You're on borrowed time, you're on borrowed stuff. Learn to give it back, learn to sacrifice. And I know for some of you, you may need help with that. I want to encourage you, if you've ever heard the term next steps, this is the process that we want to use to help you at the back. There are are cards that help you look. Man, what does it look like for me to give? Here's the biblical implications of me giving. There's a card that will walk you through that. Why is it important for you to tithe? What does that mean? Why is it important for you to serve? Be intentional in this. Seek this out. I think the second thing that Paul really points out is that the single person is focused on holiness and wholeness. Holiness and wholeness. Now, we've, we've talked about this before, and what I've shared with you is that word holy, the, the word that we see in Scripture time and time again is sanctification. And sanctification is the process of becoming set apart, holy, and active in repentance, reconciliation and relationship. It's an intentional pursuit of your Savior as he is an in intentional pursuit of you. I think the key to learning sanctification is really that, that word process. Because I think we can look at these words, especially doctrinal or theological words, and we just get lost. We, we get overwhelmed because we, we feel more shame than we do a healthy conviction. And we don't really know what to do with that, but I think we really need to understand that sanctification is a process. It's a process that Christ invites us into. And it really be, begins with us being willing to pursue our creator and ask ourselves some really honest and hard questions. And I think, uh, here's a couple that I, I ask myself when it comes to the process of growing and learning sanctification. That, that asking myself, am I willing to remove myself From things that contradict Christ Am I willing to remove my things Remove myself from things That contradict Christ Maybe that's food Maybe that's relationships Maybe that's how I'm spending my money Where I'm putting my money One of the things Sean and I are going through Dave Ramsey And I love one of the things that Dave Ramsey says is, If you don't tell your money where it should go It will tell you where it's going It's really true so really ask yourself, am, am I willing to remove myself from things that are contradicting Christ? Ask yourself, am I, am I determined enough to surrender what I think others think of me and what I think of me? Are you willing to surrender that, what you think of you? Not, not what God thinks of you, but what you think of you and what you think others think of you. Are you willing and determined to surrender all of you, every part of you, every area of your life? Following Jesus doesn't begin until we choose to surrender. That is what it means to follow Jesus, is that constant pursuit of surrendering ourselves to be in relationship with him. So I think what, what is very clear out of Scripture is that sanctification is this process of growing in relationship with God, becoming less and less of ourselves and more and more in relationship with Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this in verse 23 and 24. It says, Now may the Lord, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He who calls you is faithful. And so I think as we look at this focus of holiness and wholeness, it really means a relentless pursuit of God. To lay all other things down. Go full in surrendered to relationship with God. I think our tendency, I want to clarify a portion of what Paul says, because I think it's really misused and abused, is this line where, where it's really twisted, where in verse 9, Paul says, if you're burning with passion, then marry. Okay? And I want to clarify something for you. Okay? Singles or those, especially who've maybe recently got into relationship. When it comes to the pursuit of holiness and wholeness. This verse does not imply that if you are not already in the pursuit of holiness, if you're dabbling in sin and in lust, that you should just get married. What Paul is really talking about here is if you're burning with passion. You know what the word passion means? It means a strong and barely controllable emotion. Listen to that word. Strong and barely controllable but still controllable emotion. So what we don't get to say here all of a sudden is, oh no, you know, I think, I think this is really hard and we keep messing up. We're already having sex. If we got married, we'd have sex. It'd be fine. We'd be good. That's not what Paul's saying. If you're just going back and forth, he's saying first you need to pursue holiness. You need to pursue this first. You need to learn the process of sanctification Be really careful when you look at scriptures like this because Paul is making it really clear. Put Christ first. What we said when we talked about marriage, the highest relationship in your marriage has to be Jesus. It's not your spouse. It's Jesus. The close second is your spouse. And so as we looked at that, it gives us great clarity for our focus, whether you are married, dating, or single in this, that the process of holiness and wholeness is your pursuit of that highest relationship. First Peter chapter 1 says, Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Be holy in all of your conduct. So, I think we need to understand, we need to focus here on our pursuit of holiness. Ask yourself some hard questions. Find a space to go sit with God and be honest, where God can begin to mold you more and more into someone who follows Jesus. Not not yourself, not going, okay, I'm going to ask this question, but I'm going to do my own thing. Abandon your own thing and continually pursue surrendering. I think one of the last things that Paul says about singleness is that the single person is focused on leveraging their longing. The single person is focused on leveraging their longing. I think we need to remember that that just cuz you are single if you are a person that's single just because you are single it does not mean you are alone. I think there's times where you will struggle with loneliness. But just because you are single does not mean you are alone. And you have community here. There's, there's young people and, and single people meeting and, and learning to be intentional together. And I just want to encourage you singles, as Paul talks about leveraging your singleness, he's not saying for those who, who long for a spouse that it's really bad. Or if, you, or if you are single and you're leveraging that and then you get married, that you're sinning. He's saying don't, don't think that, but, but be intentional in your singleness. Paul also doesn't say that all should be single. He really clarifies that, that marriage isn't for everyone, but be intentional in your marriage. So he's saying our focus needs to be on leveraging our longing. And I think what Paul is really getting at to those single, those who choose to remain single, is that they have an ability to leverage where they're at, to leverage the opportunity, the season that God is calling them to. And so singles, those of you that are single, I want to encourage you. You have a great ability and a great opportunity to model Christ and to live out the gospel in a way that I can't. Okay? really hear that I want to encourage you you have a great opportunity a great ability to leverage the gospel in a way that I can't because I've told some of our guys this before while I'm changing a diaper at 11 you have a, an ability to have a conversation in another atmosphere leverage where you're at i think god stirs our hearts sometimes towards marriage going man i desire to be married that's not bad But also understand that it's not bad if you're going, I don't feel that longing. Then leverage your longing to remain single. Leverage that. God has gifted you in that. I mean, what we've talked about in the weeks prior, I've said, bank everything on Christ. I've continued to use this terminology week after week. And this is what I mean when I say that, is that when things get hard when you, when you feel like you're not comprehending, when you feel like your focus is getting jaded, and, and let, me just under, let me clarify this for you. It, it will get hard at times. When it gets hard, when it gets difficult, live for Christ. Instead of what the world has to offer you. Whatever's temporary, choose what's eternal. Lean in, no matter what lies ahead. Lean in to where Christ is calling you and leverage your longing. Don't live in it. Leverage your longing. Don't live in it. Because I think when you leverage your longing, you begin to see it in light of what Christ wants to do with it. When you just live in it, you're consumed by where you're at. And I think there's a difference in focus. And I think we need to think about Paul here as we come to a close this morning, think about Paul. This is a guy who's single. This is a single guy. And and some of the greatest ministry leaders that we see in the New Testament are single guys. Jesus was a single guy. Paul was a single guy. They leveraged their longing. They leveraged where they were at. I think back to what Paul said when he first began to write his letter to the Roman church. In verse 16, he says, of Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. So Paul continually leveraged his longing. It wasn't going, I guess I'm just single now, and, and, and everybody else is getting married, so I probably should get married. I mean, Paul would have had some great writings that he could have shared with the church from a point of marriage, but he didn't. He remained single. And so he leveraged his longing for the gospel to be spread. For the gospel to be spread throughout the world. So he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to go wherever it leads me. Wherever it leads me. But here's what I think We need to understand if we're going to choose to be intentional, if we're going to choose to live for Christ, remember that what Paul was willing to say in this is that I will not be ashamed of the gospel, but I'm willing to be shamed for the gospel. I mean, you take a guy who throughout Scripture you read is bitten by poisonous snakes. He won't die. You whip him. He says, to Christ be the gain. You beat him and throw him in prison. He starts singing hymns and converting all the people in the jail. This is the guy that would make you angry if you weren't on God's side. Paul was leveraging his longing. I'm willing to be ashamed. Willing to be shamed for the gospel but I won't be ashamed of it. I'm willing to be shamed for it. I'm willing to be physically, emotionally put to shame. I'm going to leverage my longing for the gospel. God's remained me single. So singles, be intentional. Bank everything on Christ. Every moment of your day, every decision that you make, bring it to the foot of the cross and pursue Jesus. Let's pray.